During this episode, we are joined by Lynn Carroll, Chief Operating Officer at HS Blocks, a national leading company empowering healthcare organizations with the tools and support to deliver value-based care successfully and sustainably. While together, Lynn shares insights on how to scale value-based care programs, emphasizing an incremental approach using modular building blocks of technology. He also highlights the importance of tailored solutions that meet providers' specific needs rather than large-scale implementations that may not fit their requirements. Join us as Lynn discusses his experiences in the healthcare industry and the innovative work being done at HS Blocks to drive value-based care forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Lynn, a big welcome to our podcast today. Hey, Mike, it's great to be here. I'm ready to talk. I love it. Well, given your passion and expertise of the healthcare insurance and integrated payments ecosystems, along with your successful launches of enterprise solutions for premium invoicing and collection, digital payments, patient financial engagement, prospective bundled payments, and value-based contract administration, I am looking forward to learning so much from you today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Lynn, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the HS Blocks team are empowering healthcare organizations with the tools and support to deliver value-based care successfully and sustainably. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Well, Mike, it's an interesting dynamic in the healthcare space. Always has been, probably always will be. But a piece of advice, I think, would be to, to listen to your customer, first of all. For us, it's payers and providers. Certainly, patients are part of that ecosystem. But as we've built various solutions over the years, I think that the thing that resounds most when I think about the space is you have to know the front line. You have to know who's going to use the solution, how they're going to use it, and what their motivation for using your technology would be. I love it. Always start with the customer first. Lynn, I'm sure you've seen it time and again. I have as well. It's unfortunate, but we see this happen quite a bit in healthcare. We think, oh, I'm going to go build this solution. I'm going to find a home for it because, you know, it's a problem for me. I think that this could solve for an issue, but we have to start with the customer first, whoever that customer might be that might be using that software. Lynn, is this something that you've been doing throughout your career, making sure you're connecting with the customer first before you go build? Yeah. So our, our typical approach as a team of entrepreneurs, and we've this is our fifth organization that we've built together. Our typical approach has been to talk with customers up front, do our research, spend six, eight, nine months heavy on the design phase to understand where the different touch points are, how the data flows, who's going to be using the information from the system, 
who's paying who for what, which is a big question underneath the value-based marketplace and understanding how funds are going to flow ends up being part of the decision point and how you're going to go about solutioning. So it's very important to talk with the front line rather than at a high level. You've got to get into the details. Yep, absolutely, Lynn. And you just mentioned it. This isn't the first time you've been at it. You've done this a number of times over and over and over again with high success. And so I cannot wait to talk about the current journey you're on with HS Blocks after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Lynn Carroll, COO and Head of Strategy at HS Blocks. Lynn, cannot wait to dive in. Personally, huge fan of where we hopefully will be going sooner than later with value-based care. I am a firm believer when we unlock the magic of value-based care, we are going to unlock and bring an absolute tidal wave of innovation to this industry, right? And you're seeing a little bit of it budding out there and starting to sprout, which is excellent. I'm excited, but it's leaders like you and it's teams like HS Blocks that are pushing us forward, hopefully get there sooner than later. So Lynn, before we discuss and dive into all the good trouble you and the team are creating over at HS Blocks, and of course, where you see things heading, not just for the company, but for the industry writ large, because we have an incredible community rally around the podcast, looking for those insights from leaders like you of where things are heading. We'll take that crystal ball off the shelf in a moment. Before we do all that, let's rewind the clock a bit. Lynn, you sit on the front end. You've done this time and again now, building companies, getting out there, talking to customers. How did HS Blocks come to be in the first place? How did this players that were around it to launch this thing, to build it? And then, of course, we'll talk current state of how things are going. And again, as I mentioned, we'll take that crystal ball off the shelf. But first, Lynn, rewind that clock. How did HS Blocks come to be in the first place? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. As a team, we are serial entrepreneurs, so we've done this several times before. We had a couple different exits, one in fintech and one in healthcare about six years ago. And my co-founder, uh, Raul Sharma, and myself got together and said, you know, we would like to build a company together specifically to go after two particular scenarios. One, what we felt would be a great solution for prospective bundled payments in the healthcare marketplace. And another, which was to build a platform specific to the administration and scaling of value-based programs. A lot of good work has gone in over the last several years in talking about the contractual side of value-based programs, certainly the care management and population health components. But we noticed that there was a little bit of a void or a vacuum with regard to how you would administer and scale these programs. So from our perspective, the initial research we did said there were two solid use cases for us. 
with our background in fintech as well as in healthcare, long-term history in healthcare for me specifically over 30 years, we thought that we could bring together the correct team to attack those two issues. One, the bundled payments and the prospective nature of moving them to the front end of the process, as well as a platform for administering different types of value-based arrangements. And so we started the company in 2017, quickly did our research and our homework, brought in customers and potential prospects for about eight months, doing our homework to understand where the bottlenecks were in scaling of value-based programs, what the general consensus was of what the need would be from a solutioning standpoint. And we built two platforms, one for the prospective bundles, one for value-based administration. We ended up splitting the company into two. One was patient blocks for prospective bundles and the HS blocks company we're talking about today for value-based administration. And we actually exited in 2020 with patient blocks to signify health. So today, we are solely focused on administering and scaling uh, value-based contracts. Well, that's a heck of a history, Lynn, and thank you for sharing that and setting the stage a bit. So with that, in regards to, to where we are today, how has it been received in the marketplace? There's a lot of change happening. It's only accelerating, as you and I know, especially with the pandemic, seeing the cracks in the system writ large. It's very exposed and seeing where our problems are. How has the reception been in the marketplace? What has it been like? What's the feedback been like out there in regards to what you and the team are building at HS Blocks? Well, like anything, Mike, when you look at the healthcare environment, it tends to be one that's somewhat cautious. I do see some acceleration going on. So it is taking some evangelism in the market to help folks understand that good contractual thought processes on how programs should be put in place and certainly folding in also different health equity components that have been front and center for coming out of the pandemic. Those things have been thought through. I think folks see the advantages of value-based programs. I think folks see the potential for different population health initiatives and care management, but there has not been a lot of thought on how you're going to scale these programs. When you see payer and provider convergence, around value-based programs. And when we say payers, we're also talking about employers who have a vested interest in improving outcomes and lowering total cost of care. I think you see that there's a gap. And that gap happens to be one that needs to be resolved if we're going to see true fruition of the goals for value-based program development. And also, of course, we are, uh, how do I say this uh, diplomatically, Lynn? We are shackled by old technology and old systems. We are. <laughs> right. We it are. It just is what it is. Let's just call it what it is. How is that impacting in regards to unleashing this revolution that we all know is sitting there ready to go? And what are you and the team doing to help get the industry, get the players over this shackling of what we have unfortunately have tied ourselves to on the legacy systems? Well, I think folks have made a lot of investment in legacy technology and certainly in business processes around that legacy technology. And so I think part of the fear is that I've got a large sunk investment. My folks know my processes today. And if I make a lot of change or if I make wholesale change, everything's going to fall apart. And I think the thought process often in healthcare is all or nothing. If I can't do 100%, I'm doing anything at all. And I think we need to really rethink that approach and think about it as an incremental 
uh, approach to scaling these types of programs. After all, CMS itself is looking to get to their goal, I think, is 100% value-based program administration by the end of this decade, you know, by 2030. That's a good goal to have. I think it may be difficult to get to 100%. And certainly commercial and employer-based programs tend to kind of follow that lead in terms of evolution in the market. What we do see, though, is increased interest, certainly coming out of the pandemic, from employers and more direct contracting. Same on the provider side, more direct contracting initiatives, including ACO Reach itself, where providers are now having the opportunity to go and directly contract outside of the traditional Medicare Advantage rail. And so, from our perspective, it is incremental, but it's an acceleration that can occur. And so if you look at traditional programs, a lot of folks will say 70 or 80% of our payments are tied to some form of quality or an outcome. Well, those are pay-for-performance programs. They're not more fixed price type of programs where folks are at risk for leakage or for readmission. They are often incentive types of programs. If you do something in addition to an office visit, you close out care opportunity, you get an additional incentive payment. And those are good programs, but they're not risk-based programs. And so the way we look at the landscape is to say, we'll meet you where you're at and an incremental approach. So if you're thinking about taking on risk, or if you've got a decent amount of pay-for-performance business, but you want to go and do some more fully capitated or percentage of premium types of deals, maybe even as far as total cost of care in some scenarios, maybe it's a specialty carve-out, chronic kidney disease, or it could be behavioral health. If you're going to go down that path, our argument is that you will need technology to do that, and that technology doesn't have to rip and replace what you've already invested in. And so how is that response? I mean, because, you know, it's very easy to say, well, I'm just going to continue to do what we've always been doing. What you just said sounds very compelling, Lynn. What's that response been back from the marketplace on the story you just shared? So I think the response for most folks is, how modular are you? So from our standpoint, you can use our entire end-to-end suite of solutions, or you can use the pieces, the building blocks, to start down the value-based path. And so sometimes folks will start with simple payment methodologies. Maybe it's for a particular episode, or it's for a particular specialty type of a carve-out. It could be a per-head type of a model where there's minimal risk, but there is some kind of a fixed pricing component. And I think we see folks less apt to take on kind of full bore and more amenable to an incremental approach where they can use pieces of what we do. Some of those examples are for the quality data that needs to be reported under a number of these contracts. Some of that needs to be digitized maybe buried in charts within free text, or it may be images that need to be tagged and brought into an analytic environment under a population health model. And so I think folks are definitely open-minded with regard to moving in this direction. I think there's an air of pretty significant caution, though, in terms of how quickly they want to move or how much they want to bite off at any one point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that feedback. In regards to, you know, let's also look a little bit, where are things heading, Lynn? Obviously, you mentioned we may be getting to 100% on value-based care by the end of the decade. 
fingers crossed, that would be amazing if we did. Yeah, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Let's talk about, let's take crystal ball off the shelf. Even just for the next two to three, three to five years, like you said, a lot of things were exposed during the pandemic. Things are accelerating and I continue to do so. What are you and the team seeing right now, Lynn, that we need to be mindful of as a community? And then of course, where is HS Blocks going to be over these next two to three, three to five years as we continue this migration? Well, I think what we're seeing on both the payer and provider side of the equation is a desire to somewhat consolidate sources of technology. And so it's the case that there are a number of folks who help with the risk stratification and the RAF scores, certainly under Medicare Advantage, and a number of folks that are in the population health space. But as you start to look at scaling these types of programs, I think folks are going to look for more of an infrastructure type of a play that brings a number of these things together so that it's easier to implement and leverage their existing technology stack. If there are too many bells and whistles coming from too many different directions, it can be overwhelming and it can be hard to execute. So I do think what we are seeing is a desire to consolidate some of the payer and provider collaborative techniques, like on the population health side. Both sides of the equation, I think, are looking at what can be done on the health equity components and how, number one, you fund it. And number two, how you monetize it. If you're a technology vendor, the traditional monetization models may not be there that have traditionally been in fee-for-service environment. And so I think we're going to see continued acceleration into more value-based programs. But I think that's going to be tempered by the organizational and technology changes that are needed. And so if you look at investment in legacy systems and processes, I think vendors like ourselves and others that can play nice with sunk investments, provide integration capabilities, and leverage some of the interoperability that's going on in the marketplace can be the winners. And I think that it's hard to be all things to all people, um, and it's probably the death knell of a lot of startup types of organizations. And so from our standpoint, we have traditionally tried to be very focused in what we do. And we've tried to be in a model where we can work with incumbents who are established so that folks can more easily use our technology alongside investments that they've already made. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Lynn. You know, that's one thing that we have to be mindful of, especially the innovators that are coming in or have been in this industry that are trying to push the envelope. We have to be mindful of our customers and where they're at. Like you said, these sunk costs, these investments, these, all of the infrastructures they have in place. As innovators, yeah, we just want to think anew. And then it's just all of a sudden, this is going to be this new reality. That is not the case. And we have to figure out as innovators, how do we play in that space? How do we meet the customer where they're at and what they need with what they're currently have in place? Lynn, let's take a sidestep from HS Blocks and just talk about you personally for a moment, Lynn, in the innovation space. Is that something that you've seen time and again with innovators and entrepreneurs? They just totally sidestep this whole notion of these incumbents and thinking, oh, I can surpass that. It's not even going to be an issue because my new shiny object is so needed and so amazing. Yeah, I think it's a hazard that folks need to be aware of, right? Because probably one of the least rocket ship adopters of any industry is healthcare. And I think there's a reason for it, right? One is that we're talking about people's health. We're talking about serious medical conditions, certainly in the chronic disease area, certainly in the acute care area. 
And wholesale change is difficult when it involves health. And so I think thinking that I've had success in a particular industry vertical with new and avant-garde technology, and I'm going to come into the healthcare industry and do the same thing is a mistake because healthcare does not play nice with rapid evolution for good reason. And I think the other challenges that can sometimes hold things back are what are the motivating factors. So, for example, if you look at payer and provider relationships, particularly relates to uh, medical loss ratio on the commercial side, for example, there's some codependency there, right? Which is that if premiums go up and they're split 85-15 or 80-20, one could argue there's not necessarily a motivation to control cost, right? And I don't think that that's the case. Ultimately, I do think that folks are cognizant of what needs to happen to make it a sustainable and good outcome environment in the medical community. I think the challenge is the existing infrastructure, as well as the traditional approach on a fee-for-service basis. So I do think that the innovation can be driven significantly by an understanding of a change in the reimbursement model that doesn't rip out legacy business process in a wholesale mode, but does take the incremental approach to furthering the strides that have been made in the pay-for-performance space, leveraging that experience and the quality reporting that's been associated with it, and then moving it further down the curve to more fixed-price types of environments where providers can also have more time with patients because they've got a more predictable revenue stream. And on the payer side, employers can see more reasonable increases in cost. Thank you for that, Lynn. And that sometimes we need to take a pause and have a little bit of a gut check to make sure, especially with our innovators and entrepreneurs tuning in, that this is important. We have to keep this in mind, keep it in sight, especially as we continue to go out there and try to make a better health and care system, especially as us as technologists. So Lynn, thank you for that. Also going to put the crystal ball back on the shelf, bring it back to today and see how our community can be helping you and the HS Blocks team. So with that, Lynn, what's one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that our community can be helping you with? Well, I think as we have looked at the landscape, one of the things that we would like to see happening, and some of this is happening, is large employers helping to drive value-based programs. We've seen a little bit more uptake in the direct-to-employer marketplace recently, and certainly we've seen big, large national self-funders like Walmart and others taking the lead. We've seen a lot of work happening with Morgan Health as well with regard to what can employers do to create what we would say is more alignment between benefit design and value-based care. One of the challenges that we have seen in the value-based ecosystem is the traditional benefit designs, for example. So if you look at some of the value-based contracts where a provider organization, let's say they're a risk-bearing entity and they've got some up and downside risk corridors, if they are going to be held accountable for outcomes and things like readmissions on the inpatient side, for example, then should the benefit design really have a five or $10,000 deductible that they've got to collect from the patient. They're offering a fixed price and they're responsible for the outcome. And yet the first five or $10,000, they may need to collect from the patient. 
similar on the patient side. If the benefit design is such that I have a five or ten thousand dollar deductible, and I'm ideally going to stay within a network model on the total cost of care side, or I'm going to stay within an episode of care or a bundle, why is my out-of-pocket cost going to be five or ten thousand dollars? I've just given up choice, right? And so the harmonization and alignment between benefit design and value-based program goals is another thing that we would like to see starting to evolve. And from the community, we'd like to see employers engaging directly in these programs. And we are seeing that happen because I do believe that employers can help lead the charge to drive the industry toward value-based program adoption. And for our community members interested in this topic, passionate about it, want to talk with you directly or you and the team directly about it, how do they get a hold of you? Social media handles, websites, or otherwise, how do they track you down? Yeah, the number one way to keep track of us is on LinkedIn. We're heavy posters on LinkedIn. We also post videos there and on Vimeo as well. And you can typically go to our website, hsblocks.com. You can go under a resources tab. You can see articles we've written. You can see videos that we've done on various subject matter. We also have white papers available to talk about things. But typically, folks will reach us through LinkedIn and through our website. And that's usually the best way to get a hold of us. Easy enough. And for our community, just simply scroll down to your favorite podcast player. Those contact points will be listed for Lynn and the HS Blocks team. Also, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Lynn's episode with all those contact points, as well as an area for you to leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Lynn, thank you so much. We're going to start landing the plane on this episode. But before we put it down on the ground, we've got one more piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I'm a passionate pioneer because I've been a part of the healthcare ecosystem as a patient. Had some early health issues in my life when I was growing up. And as a result, got involved as a patient. Noticed there were a lot of things about the system that were challenging to navigate. And as a result, I have decided that I want to solve those problems. And one of the challenges I had is I actually qualified for Medicare because of ESRD. And I can tell you when you're not of Medicare age and you apply for Medicare, it's an interesting dynamic. So it's a hard navigation. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is creating a better navigation system for patients and their families. And we think that value-based programs provide a good opportunity for that level of communication. Uh, Value-based care in its very nature is very patient-centric. And the communication components, patient engagement pieces are a huge part of the success of value-based programs. I love it. It is amazing when you are directly impacted by it and by the system, uh, what it can do to fire you up to help solve for it. So Lynn, thank you so much. And of course, thank you for taking a pit stop today to be on our podcast, to tell the HS Block story and all the wonderful work you and the team are moving forward with the organization. But for now, Lynn, thanks again for being with us today. We look forward to continuing to follow your journey. But for now, thanks again. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. 
This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 